0: Seinfeld, the Pez dispenser is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recaps. And now here are the two guys who are now addicted to Pez. I'm Rob Sestrini. Here's Akiva Winokar. Akiva, how are you?
1: Good. I was just, I was wondering if you'd say here are the two guys who do uh, crossword puzzles together in bed. I was hoping- <laughs> Whoa. <Wow. laughs> well, I didn't say with each other. Right. No, 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 no. We could. Yeah, I like the jumble personally. You're a jumble guy? Yeah, like
0: the jumble. Anyway, so we are ready to talk about the Pez Dispenser, episode 31 overall here. We are rolling along. Rolling along as we go through Seinfeld and lots of fun to talk about here on the Pez Dispenser because Akiva, I loved this episode. Oh, really? Yeah, I
1: loved it on the rewatch. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. there's a lot going on here. It's an interesting episode.
0: All right, so we've got a lot to talk about here on the Pets dispenser. We've got a lot of email after the last episode. We really, I have started off 2015 in a very big way. So uh, lots, a lot to do here on the Seinfeld recap podcast.
1: Uh, yeah, the, you know, the uh, we're really this is like every episode here, uh, in, you know, in the run we've had is really peak sort of like this is not a classic in my opinion, but you know, everything that we're we're coming across in the next few weeks. You know, you could've you could flip this with a ninth season episode and other than the clothing, you wouldn't know the difference. Yeah,
0: it's really, really fun. So we got a lot to get to. Wanna to make sure you know how to subscribe to the post-show recap Seinfeld Podcast. Of course, you can go to Postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld, iTunes to subscribe to our direct feed or for everything we're doing here on Post Show Recaps, you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes or, of course, you could subscribe to everything just by downloading the rehab app for everything on Rop as a Podcast, Post Show Recaps, and Reality TV Rehab of Zakiva. How's your week been?
1: Uh, it's, it's going well. You know, I'm sitting with bated breath waiting for the Jets to hire a new coach. Yes, we'll see.
0: Maybe uh, by next week, maybe we'll have one. Uh yeah, I mean Could it you be know, Larry David?
1: Larry David uh you know thinks I don't know if he, he thinks he could coach. He he says he would be a good offensive coordinator. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Could he be worse than Marty Morningwig? Uh he's he's probably like between Mornweg and Brian Schottenheimer. Is
0: it fitting that we are talking about the 31st episode of Seinfeld on a week where Mike Piazza did not get into the Hall of Fame?
1: I thought you were gonna say that much more fitting is that this is the 31st episode and I'm ignoring my wife's 31st birthday to do this podcast. <laughs>
0: well, I didn't know it was your wife's 31st birthday. Well,
1: you know, I just found my, you know, someone texted me. It's like, you remember it's your wife's birthday today. So, you know, <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll celebrate after the podcast.
0: All right. So, uh, Akiva, anything in the Seinfeld world of news this week?
1: Um, yeah, I guess we ha- <clears throat> excuse me, we have uh, Howard Stern uh, had Larry David on his show for the first time ever. Wait, Larry David's on a real press tour this month. Yeah, he's, he's the new Chris Rock, I, you know. <laughs>
0: well, does that good, mean he's about to get divorced, too? He already is
1: divorced. Well, so. I mean,
0: Chris Rock did a million interviews. I think we might have even talked about that at one point, that Chris Rock was on every single show ever. And then, like, right after he got done doing all the interviews, it was like, oh, Chris Rock is getting divorced.
1: Listen, press tours will do that to your marriage. But, no, Larry, Larry uh, I think his wife's name was Lori, but she left him a few years yeah, ago. already divorced.
0: Okay, so yeah, Larry David on Howard Stern. I listened to about the first like forty-five minutes or
1: so to, of it on YouTube. But anything interesting from your end? Um, there was no breaking, uh, no breaking Seinfeld news. The problem is Howard is probably a pretty casual, if if at all, Seinfeld fan. Yeah. So I think he really just had Gary, you know, Baba Bui or whoever whoever does, um, you know, the notes nowadays for that show. Uh, you know, kind of just give him some beats cause, Sometimes Howard will ask like really, you know, incisive questions that he thought of himself. But when he's going more specific, like he was for Larry David and asking career questions, if he's not like super familiar, then he'll kind of read off a list. So even though he's, you know, a Hall of Fame interviewer, it, it was there was no real breaking ground. It was very similar in questions to the Simmons interview. It was almost like whoever whoever did it, listened to the Simmons interview and just, you know, wrote down the notes and sort of like, isn't it true? that you think you could be offensive coordinator for the Jets?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I felt like it was also yeah, a lot of surface stuff from the part I heard. I think the one thing that I had never really heard him talk about, which was the stuff about him going into the reserves uh, and then what that was like going into through the boot camp and him crying on the first night of boot camp and how he got out of that by basically getting a note that said he was insane and then having to hand that into his commanding officer. I that was some pretty funny stuff.
1: Yeah, I actually had never heard him say that before. That was probably the the best part of it, and he kind of just got went off on a long story about that. Okay. Um, In terms of Seinfeld, you know, it was funny. Howard was pressing them on, like, how much money he has, and Larry was kind of like, not, like, asking for, you know, his net worth, but just talking about, like, you know, you're rich, so if, you know, a guy comes and cleans your house, does he ask for, like, $50 million? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's always fun to uh, hear. When I I worked on uh, Football Night in America, you know, Bob Costas would always make fun of Al Michaels, how rich he was, like before the show started. Yeah. And it was thought, like you know, not when they were on the air. And I always thought that was funny. Like, how rich does Al Michaels have to be for Bob Costas to, you know, make fun of how, you know, Bob Costas would probably has, you know, tens, of, if not a hundred million dollars himself. Wow. So it is funny when like two super rich guys talk money for a second.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fun. I uh, can't wait for the Akiva uh, behind the scenes of football night in America podcast.
1: Now, I don't, <laughs> I don't have too many stories. <laughs> yeah. The tell all we book. <laughs> it'll be very no, I don't, exciting. I don't think All right. We well, like looked Two pages long.
0: All right. Well, let's get into talking about uh, the Pez Dispenser. Of course, uh, the Pez Dispenser aired January 15th, 1992. So, uh, 23 years ago. And we started this podcast, we were talking about the 25th anniversary of, of Seinfeld.
1: Uh, yeah, we're almost, uh, you know, we're almost, uh, you know, at the same point in the year, but uh, they're about to, you know, skip some weeks and hopefully we won't skip any weeks. They're hopefully getting weird, we so. won't.
0: Right. All right. So the episode starts off with uh, Jerry talking about perfume in his stand up act it's talking about, like, the different places women put perfume on that they think are. I like he said the word uh, Stratego spots that they put it on, like the back of the wrist. Uh Interesting. Uh, I haven't really tracked this super close, but Jerry is wearing a button down shirt and a vest, uh, a sweater vest, not a suit jacket. Is this the first time that we've seen this look in the stand up?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, not shockingly, that's not something I pay close attention to. But, you know, uh, I didn't notice it. Yeah. Seemed a little
0: off. All right. So anyway, we start the episode. George is in the apartment talking about how he's dating a concert pianist and how she played him a sonata. They did a crossword in bed and he is gushing about how great this woman is.
1: Yeah. I was thinking like Seinfeld at heart could really just be a show about like a bold, like, you know, loser guy who picks up like unbelievable women every single week.
0: Yeah. 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 So he basically a lot of times the episodes start like we don't really come in when like Jerry or George is like first meeting a woman. We come in at the start of the episode and I have a new girlfriend and this is what she's about.
1: Yeah, because, you know, every week at least one of them has some new person who we're never going to see again after the episode. Yeah, but they have them like before the
0: episode started.
1: Yeah, right. They can't be bothered with origin stories every week. That would, you know, (laughs) that would just get repetitive.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so uh, George is really smitten with this new woman. Uh, Jerry comes out. I don't know if he was in the bathroom or the bedroom. And he comes out and he legitimately, I guess, couldn't hear what George was talking about. And uh, he says, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing over again. And he says, yeah, 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 I know the woman that was playing the bongos. The ha ha ha. Uh, very funny. So her name is Noel. But the problem is for George, he has no hand,
1: Akiva. He's got no hand in the, in the relationship. She's yeah. got the upper hand completely.
0: Akiva, do you have any hand in your relationship?
1: Um, I would say not only no, I'm trying to think if I've ever at any point had hand. Yeah. And I, I can't think of the scenario. What about you?
0: No, I have no hand and I'm trying to think of maybe should I do the preemptive breakup? I feel like uh, if I was to do the preemptive breakup, uh, I feel like it would uh, go about the same as uh, Forrest. Uh, what, what's his last name?
1: Whose last name?
0: Who's the guy from Review? Oh, oh, for, uh, Forrest McNeil. <laughs> I was thinking about doing the preemptive breakup, but I think it might go about as well as when uh, Forrest McNeil tried it. Yeah, zero stars. Zero stars uh, for that idea. So I don't know how to get uh, the hand back. Uh, Sometimes I I say, okay, I'm going to tell my wife that I'm mad at her. uh, And that doesn't, she doesn't even care.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's like, you don't even have any legs at that point. No,
0: no, it never, it never, sometimes I I try that and like, well, you know, I'm going to act like I'm mad at her. And it's like she doesn't even care. If anything, she gets mad at me for being mad at her.
1: Well, when you were on television, when you first started dating. You yeah, probably I used to have
0: hand. hand. I used to have hand. And I think that I lost I lost all my hand, I believe it was February of 2006.
1: Is that your anniversary?
0: <laughs> no, that was when uh, Nicole moved in with me.
1: Oh, that was it? That was game over?
0: Yeah, that was it. February 2006. That's exactly the point uh, where I lost hand. And now I'm in, uh, like, a negative hand.
1: I think, do we need to do a spin-off relationship advice podcast, Rob? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what I would give. (laughs) I could tell you what not to do. Yeah, that's true. We just tell them, like, we just give examples of what not to do.
0: I have no idea what to do, but I know a lot of the things that are are not good.
1: I mean, like, by process of elimination, eventually, by the time you're 80 you know, you'll figure out everything that's bad and you'll start, you know, you'll, you'll start doing something right.
0: Yes, yes, I think so. Um, anyway, so George has no hand. Uh, we talk about how everybody wants the hand. I really do love the hand storyline in this episode.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not a concept they bring up a lot again, but um, it is, I, I wonder if they, you know, it's hard to say now with some of these, you know, one-off sort of concepts, like what they invented and what they didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, they claim they brought, back Pez, they brought back Pez in this episode, which I'm not so sure. Yeah, well, I don't know, uh, you know, yeah. Like, was there a concept of hand ever before
0: this? (laughs) That I'm not sure of. So George tries to get Jerry to come to the show because he says he has two extra tickets. I don't know how hard it is to come by the tickets for Noelle's uh, concerts. Uh, Like, I don't know if it's like you have to sleep outside to get in for her uh, concert pianist shows. But then again, so George says, uh, well, you guys should come to the show. And Jerry's like, oh, that sounds like something.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's very Jerry-like to show up at this piano recital if if he has no motivation to go.
0: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why, but, you know, they didn't have any reason for Jerry not to go. So they needed him there to put the Pez dispenser on Elaine's leg. But George says, look, well, then we could all go out after the show. And then if she sees me with my friends, then maybe she'll think I have something going on. And maybe then I'll got, I'll have hand. And it was, seems like kind of a Hail Mary.
1: Yeah, I mean, wh- what was his plan? that she That she'll see he has normal friends? I don't know. I don't
0: know. Uh, So when we get to the point where Kramer comes in and he's trying to get everybody to smell his arm, because guess what? His arm smells like Akiva. The beach. Yes. It's invigorating. He went, he went to the beach uh, to be a
1: polar bear. Um, have you, you've never done the polar bear thing. Have you?
0: Akiva, it it could be the summertime and it, and if the water is like, you know, 60 degrees, I'm like uh going in like 1 millimeter at a time.
1: What about a non-heated pool? It,
0: I would it would take me like an hour to submerge into the pool. All right, I mean, you know how to swim, though, right? I know how to swim. I don't want to go in anything cold, especially not the ocean in the winter. I don't even want to go to the beach in the winter.
1: It's too cold and windy. I mean, it does sound like there's no motivation. Like, they don't give you, like, beer at the end. There's no prize. I don't quite get the Polar Bear Club. Well, it's invigorating. Yeah, but you come out, and you must be freezing. As Kramer tells him, so is electric shock treatments. Yeah, but then, like, you got to put your clothes back on, and you're all wet, and, like, What are you doing with your bathing suit? And like, are you going to work afterwards? I have so many questions. Yeah, it's
0: for psychotic people who are bored. I mean, I mean,
1: as we see later in the episode, it is for psychotic people.
0: (laughs) Anyway, so Kramer also has a Pez dispenser that he got at the flea market. In fact, he got five of them uh, and he gives one to Jerry. And George asks, uh, so what goes on there at the flea market?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've also never been to a flea market, but I I wasn't under the impression that there are fleas there.
0: Yeah, uh, George apparently does think that there are fleas there. I mean, I think the name is just like a flea market. It's like cheap stuff and, you know, you could get fleas going to it. I don't know the exact origin of why it's called a flea market.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. So they
0: get to the piano recital and we see seen that now Elaine is there and they're talking about how do they warm up and Jerry says that there's a piano backstage and Elaine says it's impossible because they would hear it. Uh, and, you know, uh, Jerry says, what do you think she does? Just cracks her knuckles?
1: What if they have a soundproof room, though?
0: Yeah, well, should she crack her knuckles in the soundproof room?
1: Well, uh, we, later, we later learned that she does, in fact, crack her knuckles. Yeah, do you crack your knuckles, Akiva? I, I actually just did, uh, without, like, subconsciously 30 seconds ago.
0: Yeah, I actually do it a lot. Now, then, you know, I used to be really scared. They tell you you get, like, arthritis if you do that.
1: Yeah, they told you, like, old people would tell you that, and then Google came around, and, like, people figured out, oh, that's not true.
0: That's not true, so it's okay?
1: I looked on WebMD.
0: I do it, and I'm scared that uh, something bad's going to happen, though.
1: I mean, at this point, it would have happened already, probably.
0: You think so? Yeah, I've
1: probably you been think, doing it. For what's like, the cutoff? Like, if you've been doing it for 25 years, like, is it 40 years of cracking your knuckles? That's, that's, you know, it's like smoking. Like, after 25 years, like, a lot of the damage is done. Like, even if you quit, you know, a person could still get lung cancer.
0: And you might as well just keep going.
1: Uh yeah, I mean maybe that's what like addicts say. I don't know. <laughs> All
0: right, so before the show starts, uh, George warns Jerry about don't start clapping right when she stops because the show's not over yet.
1: Uh yeah, I had no idea. I don't. I didn't know piano etiquette. Have you been to a piano recital ever? Rod? I have never been to a piano recital, and I never will. Yeah, well, ooh, he's mar- he's guaranteeing. Yeah,
0: unless um, like my ma- kid becomes
1: like a, a
0: famous uh, piano
1: star. By the way, that is underrated to, like, steer your kids into sports that are interesting to watch. Yeah. Like, if you get your son to play soccer, you know, that's fine. You go, you watch the kids around. You know, you could, if the ball's out of play or something, you could check your phone. Okay. Um, Or, if, you know, if, if your kids are, if you have daughters like me, and they go to gymnastics, it's not as interesting. Getting your kid to play a sport that's interesting, five stars? Five, uh, four and a half. Four and a half. Okay. But in terms of recitals, uh, I've been to one. And it was truly, I told my parents recently that it was one of the 10 worst experiences of my whole life. Half star going to a piano recital? Zero stars. They, <laughs> they. I, I mean, they kind of made fun of me and said I've had like a pretty charmed life if that's bottom 10, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, <laughs> I think my sister was taking piano lessons and her piano teacher, who'd, who I'd never met, was giving, um, like doing a recital, much like this, in Manhattan. And we, like, drove to Manhattan on a random weeknight. And we sat there for, like, two hours. And I don't know, like, I was like, why do we have to go? Like, I don't know this lady. We don't know her. Like, she, my sister, I'm sure, dropped out of piano lessons two months later. You know, she's not some concert pianist. She's not playing Carnegie Hall. Like, it, it was a little bit like Jerry's stand-up routine with the medicine. Like, you know, oh, if we don't go, she's not going to, you know, teach my sister the real keys. hmm Yeah. So, so I, I have no idea. And I just remember, like, and it was before the time we could, like, bring your phone I didn't even have a Pez dispenser to play with. It was horrible. Yeah, I just grumbled the whole time, and I like I, I literally just brought it up to my father a few months ago. It's
0: so, sounds terrible, Akiva.
1: Yeah, I've had a tough life. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's talk about the big inciting incident for this episode. So the Noel starts to play. And then Jerry takes out the Tweety Bird Pez dispenser and puts it on Elaine's leg. And Elaine loses it. And she's trying to control herself. George is getting pissed. And she's just like, can't keep in the laughing. She has to get up to leave. And it's really, she creates quite a stir.
1: Um, Is the, is Jerry way out of line for what he did? No, he's just, you know, he's just messing around because he's bored. Elaine is the one who's at fault for, you know, why this uncontrollable laughter? Like, is it that funny? Uh,
0: I guess so. You know, sometimes like you're at some place where like whether it's like, uh, you know, church or some sort of like, uh, you know, uh, like something somber where you're not supposed to laugh sometimes like you can't help but not laugh because you uh really it would be very inappropriate for you to do so
1: right if you think to yourself don't laugh don't laugh don't laugh then you'll yes then you'll you might end up laughing and so it doesn't even have to be something funny like if they were just at the
0: coffee shop and he put the peasant's peasant on her leg I'm sure she wouldn't even chuckle but because she could not laugh it was almost that uh it was a million times funnier
1: uh yeah. I mean and they're really bored. I mean the piano recital must be horrible.
0: Yeah, so everybody is, do not laugh through the rest of this podcast. That's what I, I we don't want anybody to laugh uh, at the rest of the show. This is the challenge. Akiva put the give
1: it the the dollar 29 challenge. I mean, a dollar 29 like how are they going to prove? Do they have to like play a tape of themselves listening to the episode and not laughing? Not
0: laughing. <laughs> yes. Uh we should make this like a, a 1 cent challenge this one.
1: All right, I will PayPal you one penny if you didn't laugh. All right, so Elaine uh, gets out and
0: she sees, she's like hysterical laughing, and here comes this guy, John Malika?
1: Malikov? Uh, I think it's Malika. Malika. They only say it once, right? Yeah, and he comes over and he's like, Was it something I said? Yeah, that's a great pig move. Do you notice that he doesn't have the tissue in his nose here?
0: He doesn't have the tissue in his nose. Later on, he will. Maybe it was like his nose was
1: frozen because it was so cold. It's possible. Maybe they also wrote in the joke after the scene was already filmed.
0: Yeah, that's possible. Um, and so uh, he sees Elaine, and apparently he was a bartender. But Elaine s- sounds like, you know, Elaine is almost like uh, two comedians. Um, like in Bull Durham, uh, uh, the woman, the main character, you, you don't know what I'm talking about probably, right?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm familiar. I've never seen the movie, but I, I'm familiar with it.
0: Like uh, Susan Sarandon is always wants to like, uh, be, like be with baseball players. Was Elaine just like a groupie for comedians that would just hang what's, out? What's
1: the word for that again? Groupie? Well, no, there's like a sports specific term that I'm blanking on. Uh,
0: I don't know, off the top of my head. But like, was she somebody that was just always trying to uh, pick up comedians, just hung out at the comedy club?
1: I bet in the real world there is like, a, there are a couple of women who like, you know, have dated like half the comedians in LA or New York.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. So I don't know. Was this Elaine? Do we think this is Elaine's origin story?
1: No, because we don't see her dating too many comedians throughout the series. She's really all over the map. She's got, you know, High level guys, low level guys, old guys, young guys, a bunch of old guys, some real losers. She'll, you know, she'll date anybody, Elaine.
0: Okay. So John Malachi, he wants her to hang out because uh, Richie Appel, the old comedian, he went to L.A., but he got really messed up on drugs. Uh, and Elaine, uh, actually he doesn't want to hang out. He's telling Elaine about Richie Appel and Elaine says, why don't you do an intervention? Apparently intervention, very new thing in 1992, but it's a a hot new thing that they want to try out, but he would only listen to Jerry Richie Appel.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jerry has that like, uh, effect on people. They really, you know, respect what he has to say.
0: I guess so. And every time they talk about how this guy really respects Jerry, they cut to Jerry like doing something stupid with the Pez dispenser.
1: Yeah, like the Tweety Bird gets its own seat at one point. I mean, that's great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we're outside of Noelle's dressing room. And uh George is sort of mad at Jerry and Elaine about why'd you have to put the Pez dispenser on her leg. Elaine is says that she's gonna apologize to Noelle. And George says, no, don't do that because she thinks if my friends are a jerk, then I'm a jerk too.
1: Yeah, I don't know. George is putting a lot of stock in Noelle basing her opinion out of him on Jerry and Elaine. Yeah, definitely. And well, he has I no hands. Really, especially like considering how how horrible they are as human beings, like I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket.
0: <laughs> well, he has no hand and he's grasping for straws here with Noel.
1: Yeah, like you did say, this is a Hail Mary. He's trying anything.
0: He's trying anything. And so Elaine says to Jerry, remind me later to tell you about something. Uh, and he's like, no, you got to tell me now or I'll be distracted.
1: Uh, and George says, well, what are you, a baby? <laughs> yeah, you can't do that, though. You can't say like, oh, I have a secret for you and then tell somebody later.
0: Yeah, so that yeah, you can't do that. So anyway... Helene starts telling Jerry about how she ran into John Malika and the whole thing with about the intervention, and George's like, "Okay, people, can we cut to the chase?" Uh, and Jerry says, uh, cut to the chase. What are you, Joe Hollywood?" And he says, "I would lose that." He's
1: like, "Oh, what is that? That's Hollywood. Yeah, I think I would lose that is more Hollywood than cut to the chase
0: well." Uh, I know we have an email about this from Chester, and he wants to know, is cut to the chase a Hollywood uh, term or not? Uh, But I do believe it is. I'm with Jerry.
1: I mean, I guess they would say that, but it's not like, ooh, Mr. Fancy Pants saying cut to the chase.
0: Yeah, but cut to the chase, I mean, literally implies like this is boring in the editing. Uh, Let's, you know, edit this to the chase scene. I got it. So, I mean, it technically has the origins of being a Hollywood term. That's uh, fair. But I think it's often said outside of Hollywood, too.
1: Well, maybe not in 1992, though. Maybe not in
0: 1992. Uh, Maybe this cut to the chase became popularized like Pez because of this episode.
1: I mean, they were just on the cutting edge of everything.
0: (laughs) All right. So Elaine talks about the intervention. And uh, so I guess Jerry is going to be in on it. But I feel like Jerry uh, would resist doing this more,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, Jerry, you know, he's going to recitals. He's doing interventions like he must be on break from touring or something. He's really, you know, just saying yes to anything. All right. So we go
0: in to see Noelle. She's very upset. And she says, no, it was a terrible show. Did you hear that person laughing? She was humiliated. What was she laughing at? And. Jerry and Elaine get into a little bit of a game of Jerry says, yeah, it must have been some sort of sick individual to laugh during a show like that. And, and what does Elaine uh, call uh, the potential person who would put a Pez dispenser on her leg?
1: Uh, what does she call them?
0: Yeah, Elaine says that, well, maybe it was some mental defective put something on her leg. Um, and then uh, they get into talking about the mental defective, so Noelle says that she will never forget that laugh.
1: Yeah, but w- first of all, Elaine was sitting two feet away from Noelle, like, she can't play the piano without looking at the keys for a second, like They were right there. She should have seen who was laughing.
0: Yeah, but I think it's uh, from the perspective of the person sitting up on the stage, you know, the lights are shining down. And I think it's easier for the people in the crowd to see the person on the stage than the person who's on the stage to see what's going on in the crowd because the crowd isn't lit. So it it is probably hard past like the first row to see exactly what's going on.
1: That's a good point. It actually came up during the aforementioned uh, Howard Stern uh, LD podcast, uh, you know the the uh, interview. Yeah, where uh, Larry said, you know, Howard was saying, "I'm going to come." You know, is Jerry going to come to the show? You know, to the play that he's there promoting. Yes. Um, and Larry said he doesn't want to know who's there. You know, he he has like, don't tell him if you're coming. He doesn't want to know who's in the crowd because then he's just going to think the whole time. You know, oh, you know, Howard Stern's here. You know, whatever. You know, it's, it's just going to be in his head, which was funny because it really ties into. Uh, you know, this episode. So because, you know, later George's uh, request is going to basically be exactly that
0: Noel asks George if she saw who did it. George says that he didn't see the who the person was. Um, anyway, then Noel like goes into like the dressing room. And then uh, Elaine says that she would be sure that the person who did it would apologize if they could. And George uh, is, like gets into like an argument with Elaine. He's sort of like, uh, Elaine's line is that she says, uh, probably somebody is holding her back against every fiber of her being. And George says, if she wants to continue to have a fiber of her being, uh, she'll be very careful. And they start hitting each other.
1: Yeah, this is one of those sitcom tropes where like, Two people are in a room talking about the third person in the room, but the third person doesn't notice. <laughs> Even though they're right there, they, like, you know, it's like the Zach Mars rule where, like, you're calling timeout almost. What do you think about George threatening and ultimately hitting Elaine? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you wouldn't see that now, but they have a lot of, like, slap fights between them.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, then... Jerry and Elaine are going to leave after uh, George asks Noelle if she's coming out. And she says she doesn't want to. Things are getting a little tense. Uh, Jerry asks her, how does she warm up? She says she just cracks her knuckles. So that's a fun callback to uh, that yep. earlier conversation. And then George's like, come on, you should come out. Like, I don't feel like it.
1: Yeah, you know, she seems like, uh, like maybe this isn't so much of a loss for George.
0: Maybe not, but she does the crossword puzzle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess she does the crossword puzzle. You know, I mean, is she paying the bills with the piano? I'm not sure. I you mean, you have to be really good at the piano to pay the bills with it, I imagine, right? yeah you would think that George
0: would have to be more taken with the fact that she plays the piano rather than the fact that she does the crossword puzzle. It seems like the crossword puzzle is really the selling point for Noel when I think you could fi- probably find a lot of women that would do the crossword puzzle in bed with him,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true also, but maybe that's a negative, like he doesn't want to go to the recitals, <laughs> maybe
0: maybe so uh anyway so george ends up like backing out and uh it's sort of funny when he's like okay so uh, i guess i'll call you uh he's on the phone uh we'll have a uh telephone communique <laughs>
1: <laughs> i really love the uh telephone communique line uh yeah george like at this point he's got zero percent of the hand
0: no hand has got no hand. All right. So we come to uh, back at the diner. Uh, we have uh, Jerry talking with Elaine, setting up uh, this whole thing with Richie and the intervention and says it was actually Kramer who was the one responsible for getting Richie on the drugs because Kramer was on the comedy club softball team. And uh, then they had like this big come from behind win. And Kramer told Richie to pour Gatorade on the coach who was an old guy and it was a really cold day. And then they poured the Gatorade on the guy and he died about a month later from pneumonia.
1: Uh, yeah, it is. It is a funny story. Um, I don't know if you know, but this is actually a true story. It's based on a true story.
0: Yeah, I actually did catch that because I watched the episode a second time. I watched it with the commentary because the commentary was Larry David and, and Jerry. Um, yeah. And it's funny that like a lot of the stuff they don't even rem- remember, like uh, some of the some of the details. You would think that they would know them particularly well, and like, oh yeah, they. Will, and, and so they're sort of like, oh, what is that about? And you know, it seems like kind of like basic stuff, but it's just like you know, totally forgotten cause they're not, you know, watching these over and over again, but, uh, that being said, yeah, they mentioned that it was a real story. Now, Akiva, was it another um, missed opportunity that you have this story about a person, an older person getting freezing cold liquid uh, dumped on top of them in an episode where Kramer
1: is a member of the polar bear club? You mean that they should have tied it in together better?
0: I mean, could I mean, doesn't that seem like a missed chance that we have part of the story where the guy who needs the intervention is uh very upset because he poured freezing cold water on an old guy and killed him and at his intervention <laughs> i like the way you're thinking
1: uh, the name of the coach by the way is george allen george allen uh, he he led the washington redskins to a super bowl and uh, in, in 1990 he was coaching long beach state yeah and they won their last game they poured the, the he claimed afterwards that they were too cheap for Gatorade it was just water and a Gatorade thing <laughs> and then he got sick and there's his family claims that was not what killed him but That's what a lot of people think. Anyway, uh, to go back to your question, uh, yeah, but what would they have done? Would they have? Would he have killed the uh, one of the old polar bear guys by like? Well, or could
0: he have? He could he have? uh, You know, seen that you know, cold water on an old guy is not necessarily a lethal
1: combination, and maybe have been sort of absolved from his guilt. What if the intervention's a success, and and, uh, uh, Kramer's so, so excited? He pours a bucket of water on the polar bear guy's head, like trying to pour it on the intervention guys. Yeah,
0: because the polar guy can't get to the beach. And then he. Yeah. Yeah, So instead, maybe that Kramer has to come up with a more convenient way. Like there's too much traffic to get to the beach. So they're just going to dump a bucket of ice water on the guy's head, like the ice bucket challenge, uh, and then spray him with the beach cologne.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, we're—I we're, don't know if—I don't know if that's the final product, but
0: this is a, a ten-hour episode.
1: <laughs> <the> mini series. <laughs> we're working on something. Anyway, so
0: all the other comedians were happy that this guy died, but you know, uh, poor Richie was never the same. Uh, and then Elaine asked, uh, "What about Kramer?" And I'm like, oh no, he's the same. <laughs>
1: That was a great line.
0: Um, and then it's very funny. They go back to Jerry's house and, uh, you know, Jerry is talking about on the phone about the intervention. And uh, what what's really, really funny is that, you know, Jerry tells Kramer about the intervention. And, uh, you know, he tells Kramer, well, really, this is for, uh, you know, the uh, the close friends. And Kramer's like, uh, like, oh, yeah, like uh, that's the guy that I got him to pour the Gatorade on the coach. And then he killed him.
1: Nobody at any point thinks, oh, maybe that's a bad idea that Kramer's here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Kramer says, yeah, that's the guy I told to pour the Gatorade that killed Marty Benson. (laughs) Like Kramer is like, isn't like, oh, I feel so bad because uh, I was the one that told him to pour the Gatorade and that killed Marty Benson. Kramer just says it's like so matter of like like, he says, like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that I was a roommate of in
1: college. Yeah. Listen, Kramer, he, he might not have feelings, Kramer.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so, um, you know, Kramer wants to get in on the intervention in Jerry's system. Uh,
1: wh- what do you think? It's like a poker game? Yeah, I mean, the amount of people at this intervention, like, why didn't the guy, you know, get there and just go, you know, Richie April? Why doesn't he go there and just go insane? Like, I don't know any of the people here.
0: Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want to go to an intervention. I think I might want to watch one from like some sort of like closed caption, like uh, like in the other room, like from the other side of the one sided mirror. But I would not want to be one of the people at the intervention.
1: I, I was thinking about that. Like, I hate awkward moments, but I would love to kind of get up there at the like what I mean, you know, what kind of intervention like would be fun, hmm. like maybe a gambling like it's not, you know, it's not as maybe intense. As, like, a, you know, like, a heroin addiction type of thing?
0: Yeah, I well, like, I think that, like, drugs or sort of, like, um, gambling, that sort of stuff that, like, um, you know, it's like your family is really suffering. It would be, like, probably fun if you had, like, people who would, like, have, like, some sort of, like, uh you know, more interesting, uh, interventions, like some, you like, you have like a friend who's like, uh, addicted to like, uh, pornography or something like that. Uh, I think that might be a fun one. Cause I feel like, uh, or like a teeth whitening or some sort of like, uh, <laughs> something that's Isn't a that little a thing. You yeah. Addicted I think to the teeth, whitening? yeah, I think you'd be addicted to the teeth whitening. Um, I feel like uh, you know, the alcohol gambling, I think those are like the major, uh like serious, depressing ones.
1: Yeah. I mean I would be I, I don't you know, I've never been to one. I do like the show intervention on TV. Yeah. But um if someone wants to invite me as like a guest roaster or whatever to the intervention, <laughs> I will show up. A guest roaster? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What do you do? Like, I mean, I've only <laughs> seen them on TV. They're you know, it's usually like one person does most of the speaking. Yeah. And the other eight like nod their head. Like, isn't that right? Maybe they, you know, wrote letters like this is how you've harmed, you know, this is how you've affected the family with your, you know, $8,000 a minute, you know, heroin addiction.
0: $8,000 a minute. What? What is it like a, a 900 number?
1: No, but have, have you ever have you ever watched an intervention episode? No, they like the drug addictions are so expensive and these people like don't usually have jobs. And it's insane. Like, they can always come up with the money for more heroin. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it's that good.
1: You know, they become very resourceful, uh, you know, to get what they need. It's, it's, it's interesting human behavior. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm, again, I'm available for, uh, for, you know, guest interventionist roles.
0: Okay. Uh, so, George ends up uh, coming up Um, And uh, we also, before George gets up, uh, we have uh, Kramer still smelling his arm. He's got this idea for the cologne. And it just so happens that they know another guy who's a friend of Richie Appel and uh, he works in the cologne industry. It looked convenient, but we send Kramer off to uh, go have this meeting later on. So George comes up. He's had a, uh, a bad conversation with Noel. Uh, it was the phone conversation, but things are going in reverse. They're going to have uh, lunch soon, and uh, things have gone very, very poorly, even after George made a list of things to talk about on the phone, which included uh, how good he is at going in reverse And uh, how good of a drink Postum was.
1: Yeah, Postum should be more popular. (laughs) Postum should
0: be more popular. (laughs) Uh, I know this also is in uh, Chester's email, but uh, do you know, have you ever
1: heard of Postum? I mean, only from this episode.
0: Yeah, I Googled it. Apparently, it's like some sort of like coffee alternative.
1: Yeah, I Googled it also, and I still don't know what it is. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. So uh, George is talking about how he has no hand and things are going so badly that he's going to go have lunch with her. There's an inevitable breakup coming. And Kramer suggests, why don't you do a breakup with her? A preemptive breakup, Akiva. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. It is completely brilliant because as George says, like, well, if she's breaking up with him anyway, then he's got nothing to lose. And it's his only chance uh, if if what he did before was sort of the Hail Mary. uh, This is almost like the onside's kick.
1: Yeah. I mean, congratulations on losing our international audience here. (laughs) I'm kidding. Like that. yeah, this is really like Yeah, we're being you know. cuz out of all the things we've
0: ever talked about <laughs> on this podcast, we're really uh going uh, way too inside uh to talk about uh the football.
1: What do you I mean, what's what I'm trying to think of a better sports analogy though. Is this like stealing home plate? I don't know.
0: I I don't know. Um but yeah, the, with the popularity of uh the NFL at this point, uh Yeah, you know, what a,
1: maybe the hidden ball
0: trick in baseball? <laughs> I don't know what exactly uh, this is, but this is a, a you know a trick play which is going to maybe reverse George's fortune. So we go to this scene with George in the diner, and this is a, a great scene. It might be my favorite in the episode. So George is at lunch with uh, Noel, and uh, he basically tells her that, well, you know, uh, I'm
1: breaking up with you. Yeah, I love how he says it. Also, I'm breaking up. With you yeah she, it's like you're breaking up with me <laughs> it's like I
0: break with and she does it later in the episode uh, and it's and it's really great um and uh you know she is like almost like she has like some pleasure from this would you say am I am I reading that
1: correctly yeah, she plays it the actress plays it really interestingly like at first you don't know like what's she gonna say like because you're kind of expecting her to say like well I was gonna break up with you, but she's definitely not doing that. Part of her is kind of saying, like, "This loser is breaking up with me." I kind of liked him.
0: Which episode is it with the the girl with the chopsticks? The truth. Uh, yeah. It goes a lot better than the time that George breaks up with the woman with chopsticks in her hair. In the truth, it's almost like uh, that she's so intrigued by this. Uh, George, like, I'm breaking up with you. She's like, "Wow," and he's like, uh, "He's like, you're shocked." She says, "I am." Um. <laughs> She thought everything was fine, Akiva. Yes, she really liked George. who to thunk it? Yeah, George's like, oh, live and learn. <laughs> um, And uh, then completely everything gets spun around. She talks about the crossword puzzles. Didn't we have fun with the crossword puzzles? He's like, yeah, it was okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah. George is playing this brilliantly.
0: Yeah. He's really, really, uh, is so perfect in this scene. And, uh, then, uh, she talks about, um, what can she do? What can she do to uh, get back in his graces? And George says, are you thinking about me when you're up on the stage playing the piano? Uh, she's like, well, no, He's like, oh, well, and, and he wants her thinking about him all the time. Um, now, Akiva, if this was you in this situation, and now all of a sudden, if you had, if there was a big uh, turnover in hand, uh, and you suddenly were in possession of all the hand,
1: is that what you would want? No. Who cares what they think about? <laughs> um, no, I was thinking about what, what my thing would be. If you want like a peek into my brain, it would for sure be food related. Food related. It would probably be like, you know, you have to make me like three meals a day, like breakfast in bed. Uh, you know, like I basically choose the menu for the whole. You know, it would be something like that. What about you?
0: Um, I don't know if it would be breakfast in bed.
1: Well, you want to eat lunch in bed?
0: Oh, oh, oh okay, uh, <laughs> <I> got it. <laughs> yeah, probably not lunch either. It, it's really, really uh, a fantastic scene. Uh, this this whole thing uh, with George and Noel uh, at the diner. So we come back to Kramer with the executive. And uh, Kramer is pitching him really hard on the beach. And uh, like, how about this cologne that makes you smell like what you do when you come home from the beach? And the guy, do we know the guy's name? Yeah, it's a Steve Dejiff. Steve. Uh, he hates this idea. He says it's a foul odor uh, when you come home from the beach. That's why you take a shower. Akiva, do, do you think this is a good idea? It's
1: not a bad idea. I, I'm sure it's been done uh, at least on a small scale uh, between then and now.
0: Yeah. Um, apparently, uh, Larry David says in the commentary to Jerry, uh, you know they really have this now, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the, anything they mentioned, you know, got, I don't know if it, like, you could actually, if it's like a novelty thing or it actually, like, sells well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not a terrible idea. Kramer certainly had far worse ideas.
0: All right, so let's cut to the intervention. Uh, now, here's John Malacca and he has, like, the
1: tissue in his nose. This is the bloody nose going on? Yeah, but he says he always had it, which, you know, we know is not true.
0: Yeah, I guess he doesn't always have it, like, uh, just like a, this bleeding
1: nose all the time. I love that he says, like, when Elaine asks him, even at work? And he says, yeah, nobody minds. Yeah, I mean, that's really what you want is a bartender uh,
0: with the bloody nose. I mean, I'm sure that <laughs> it doesn't help that uh, the, at the drug intervention, you have a, you know, comedy store uh, bartender uh, with a bloody nose. I'm sure this people are thinking this guy has a drug problem,
1: too. Yeah, that's true. When you first see him, because, you know, he didn't have the thing before, you're like, wait, is this the guy for a second?
0: No, no. Anyway, so uh, we're talking about all the things at the intervention. There's one guy who's there who's a real jerk. Uh, he's demanding, why is there no ice cubes? He can't drink this warm Pepsi.
1: Yeah, this guy's terrible. Well, I think they're just setting up, like, that all these people are foolish and, like, incompetent. <laughs>
0: All right. Then Kramer comes in um, and Steve is pissed off. He can't stay because it's only for close friends of Richie and Kramer's insists that he is a close friend. Who do you think told him to pour uh, the, the water on that guy that killed him?
1: Does that make you close? If you conspire to kill somebody,
0: I guess so. Or if you put somebody up to killing another person,
1: they're, they're close friends.
0: Yeah. All right. So then Kramer then comes in with all of the polar bear friends.
1: I mean, these guys are are great.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jerry has a funny line uh, that was from the commentary when those guys come in. Uh, and he's like, uh, and to think Brandon Tartikoff uh, thought, had a concern that this show might be too Jewish. <laughs>
1: That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These guys are, these guys are like the oldest Jewish guys ever. Now, is that a, a Jewish thing? The polar bear club? No, I think it's an, it's an old man thing. It's an old
0: books. man thing, and they just happen to go with these guys. Yeah. Because uh, these guys all have, like, the similar look, these old guys that show up.
1: Uh, yeah, maybe they're like a rival family to the Mandelbaums.
0: <laughs> anyway, so uh, these guys, do uh, you like these guys, Akiva?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking, at, one of their last names is Bloomfield. That's, like, pretty Jewish. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, They're a little cartoony. I said I like them, which I kind of do, but they're a little over the top.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, we get the buzzer, and, uh, every, somebody says, uh, like, uh, quick, everybody hide. Uh, and Jerry says, it's not a surprise party.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not, there, there are no adults at the intervention here. Uh,
0: anyway, so it's George and he comes up and, uh, we see Mr. John Malika. He's cornering Elaine cause he wants to date her. And, uh, he's saying, Oh, you don't want to date me cause I'm a bartender. And Elaine's like, uh, like John, really? And he's like, is it because I have this uh, tissue in my nose? And she says, uh, you're getting warmer.
1: <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't believe it. Nobody's ever mentioned it to him before.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Here comes George. And George and Noel come upstairs. And things are going great. And Noel goes and sits down. And George tells Jerry, a man with no hand is no man at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he's got hand coming out of his gloves. Now
0: he's got so much hand. that's coming out of his glove. And so Noel goes and sits down. George goes and grabs Kramer and says, this guy is a genius. And, and, he's, and, and Kramer happens to be right with Steve, the executive from Calvin Klein, who thinks Kramer is an idiot.
1: Yeah, I mean this the gif guy is over the top. Kramer's idea is is at least decent.
0: Now, tell me later on when Calvin Klein really does the idea for the cologne, is this because
1: of this moment? Um right. So it's so here's the thing. So the cologne is stolen um a year from now in the pick. Yes. And it's it's the gif is not involved in that episode. But yes. yeah, clearly the the idea has been run up the food chain.
0: But does the idea get run up the food chain because uh the last thing uh Steve DeJiff sees is George come over and talk about how Kramer is a genius because Steve's written Kramer off he's an idiot but now George comes over he's like what are you what are you talking about this guy is a genius
1: right so i think we're getting into fan fiction a little bit here
0: I know. is it fan fiction I, or is it or is it uh, I mean, how does it go from Kramer had a meeting with a guy who thinks he's an idiot? Unless you're telling me that, I mean, there's two things that happen. Either one, the guy was bluffing the whole time. He loved this idea and he just wanted to steal it. Or two, uh, that he thinks he's an idiot. But then George comes in and tells him like, he's not an idiot. This guy's
1: a genius. Right. What about um, in my head? What happened was, you know, he said to somebody else at Calvin Klein, huh, this fool came in and pitched me a beach cologne. Then the GIF gets fired because he's a jerk. And then the, the, the uh, what's it called? Then in the pick, someone else comes up with the idea and, uh, you know, remembering that that the GIF had mentioned it.
0: Okay, I would love to know in the comments what you guys think. Uh, is this, what do you, which theory are you buying? Wh- which fan fiction of how does Calvin Klein ultimately get this idea? Where How does it get up the food chain all the way to Calvin Klein?
1: Yeah, because I give them no credit during the early seasons for, planning things between episodes for the most part.
0: I mean, but it doesn't pay off here that you have Steve who thinks Kramer's an idiot and George comes over and starts talking about like, no, this guy is a genius.
1: Right, but there's no way they like, who, let's leave this open-ended and we'll mention it again in one season.
0: I I don't know, but maybe they didn't do it intentionally, but maybe it was the kind of thing that they went back and looked at it and said, okay, well, maybe this is where this was going. Uh, We know that in season three, this is when they start having these ongoing stories.
1: Uh, That is true. Um, You know, Larry wrote the episode himself. I'm shocked this didn't come up on the uh, on the Stern show.
0: Yeah, because here's the dialogue from that part. So Steve is telling Kramer off about the cologne. He says, if I were dragged through manure, I still wouldn't put the stuff on. And George uh, comes over to Kramer and says, this man is a genius, a genius. And Steve says, you think so? And George says, "Uh, I don't think so. I know so. Kramer, come here. I got to talk to you. Uh, So we have like, why else is this uh, this beat of dialogue in where Steve is telling Kramer what an idiot he is. George says he's a genius. And then Steve is like, no, no, really? This guy is smart. And George is like, I know he is.
1: Right. I mean, I think we're ultimately just tying the two stories together. And sort of showing right now that George is like super confident and in a good mood because he has the hand. Yeah. But I, I, your theory, you know, we're probably putting more thought into it than they did. But, but your theory is still good.
0: Okay. It's a good theory. Perfect. All right. So Elaine is hearing the story from uh, Mr. Polar Bear about the uh, can- male kangaroo doesn't have a pouch. He has pouch envy. Uh, at least give me a pocket. Do you think, does the male kangaroo have pouch envy?
1: Yeah, I I never thought of that. I mean, probably not, because it's a little bit like, are you envious that you can't carry a child, you know?
0: No, I'm not envious I can't carry a child. I am envious that it's socially acceptable for my wife to carry a purse around, and I've got, like, laptops and stuff like that and all these chargers, and it's less socially acceptable for me to carry a bag around.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, right, I mean, it used to be that pockets were great because all you had was your...
0: I need the man bag, like Joey. Yeah,
1: you can, and the man bag ultimately is just the purse. Well, what do you do? I mean, it used to be that pockets were, were great because you just had your phone, uh, and not, you, you know, before that, you didn't even have your phone, just had your wallet and your keys, right? Now you're, like, leaving the house with, like, you know, six different electronic things. Um, You know, what do you do? Do you, like, bring a knapsack? Yeah. Well, you you know, you can bring a computer case... And just you know, yeah, they have pockets. You could put chargers and whatever in there.
0: Yeah, uh, that would be uh, that would be very nice. I would love that.
1: Do not have a computer case?
0: Uh, I have a computer case, but uh, any anything that would help me carry more stuff, I'm on board.
1: All right, fine. So we're looking for like a better mail purse. So you want someone to design a better mail purse?
0: <laughs> sure, one that would be more socially acceptable. That would be good. I mean, listen,
1: it's the '90s. It's hammer time. You know, anything socially acceptable, just do it.
0: Okay. Anyway, so Elaine it starts really laughing at the pouch joke, and Noel hears the laugh. Elaine turns it into trying to cough, and uh, unfortunately, Noel uh, gets really pissed. And Elaine very quickly says, "Jerry, put a Pez dispenser on my leg," uh, and uh, then she's like, "What? You put a Pez dispenser on the leg?" Uh, and then very quickly she knows that George was lying to her the whole time.
1: Yeah, there's such a George move by Elaine, you know, to blame Jerry at the first hint of trouble.
0: It's funny. It's a recurring theme in these episodes where they all have secrets. And then at the first sign that any like, that like the jig is up, they all sing like a canary.
1: Yeah, these guys. Listen, everyone here, if nothing else, they're all completely self-interested.
0: Yeah. And it's funny that when they go to jail, none of them like strikes like a plea deal to rat the other ones out.
1: It's true. Maybe Kramer. I mean, Kramer really of the four is the least Canary-like, mm-hmm. but it would have been interesting and and not so out of the ordinary if maybe Kramer had gotten some kind of wacky plea deal.
0: Anyway, so no- Noelle gets up to leave, and George is like, "No, where are you going? Uh, what are you doing? And she says perfectly, I am breaking up with you. <laughs> and- And George, uh, this might be the best line in the in the whole episode. Uh, He says, "You can't break up with me. I've got hand." And she says, "And you're gonna need
1: it." (laughs) Yeah, that is a great line. I mean, he he hasn't mentioned the concept of hand in front of Noel though.
0: That's right. Like she she doesn't say like What are you talking about?" She says, uh, "You can't break up with me. I've got hand."
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's such a she's a you know she's sharp for uh, just the piano player. She's not a comedian. (laughs) You're gonna
0: need it. Yeah. Boom. All right, and then... Uh, Richie uh, intervention walks in and then uh, we sort of we cut away and then uh, end up getting the follow up uh, with Jerry and George and he tells the whole thing and the guy wasn't taking it well but somehow because uh, he saw the Pez dispenser and I don't even understand how this story works that the dad was try- was driving the car trying to load the Pez dispenser which Jerry has struggled with the whole episode of loading the Pez dispenser um, so uh, he crashed the car into the school and the Pez dispenser Got ruined, even though nobody got hurt. But the Pez was everywhere.
1: The Pez was everywhere. know right, he drove into us into the school cafeteria. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's like he's got a lot of trauma from this.
0: Does this story make any sense? Like, I mean, what? But if nobody got hurt, why is there? Why is there so much trauma?
1: I well, I I I guess it's not the trauma. I guess it's he's obsessed with the Pez because it ends up being a good thing, of course, that he sees the Pez, uh, and that he just cares about the Pez, and they end up, uh, you know, after he cries, they sort of are able to get him. You know to go to into the intervention, so maybe it's maybe it's not all bad. It's just a memory more than it is trauma. Yeah, Akiva, have you ever had a Pez dispenser? Of course, I mean, yeah, of course, everyone had them.
0: Yes, uh, what? You have a, a notable uh, Pez dispenser? Uh,
1: I had an OJ Simpson Pez dispenser. Oh, very good. No, I don't know. <laughs> I was just if I had a Pez dispenser now, I would want. I would probably like. What would you like if you could have any Pez dispenser?
0: If I could have any Pez dispenser now, yeah. like, um, Who would the face be? Well, I feel like I had like probably like like Darth Vader or something like that. Like, uh, I feel like there's a lot of like star Wars, uh,
1: Pez dispensers. Yeah. I I mean, is that you picked up the ladies with those Akiva? What is the Pez dispenser that you pick up women with? I I mean, there is none. I'm just thinking like the, the nerdiest thing I could ever think of.
0: (laughs) Uh, Pretty much there's a tie for every Pez dispenser, uh, is equally nerdy. There's no Pez dispenser that you could show to a woman and she'd be like, Really?
1: Tell me, who uh, who are you? If you had like an OJ one, that would be at least be a conversation starter. Though.
0: What woman are you picking up uh, with an OJ Pez dispenser? And Akiva, I hope you're not making a uh, some sort of uh, sick joke about the way in which OJ Simpson kills people. <laughs> no. Because uh, that's the only way that I would associate OJ with a Pez dispenser.
1: I, I mean, I'm, I don't know why I'm thinking of OJ, but I, I mean, I guess if it was a conversation piece you know, then maybe people would come up and talk to you. But all right, fine. So I guess this is the first, you know, real dating advice we're giving. Don't bring Pez dispensers. Yeah, there's on, no place for
0: Pez. Um, although I could see it sort of being like, um, you know, if you are at like a like a bar or something and you're like looking for like an interesting thing to like be like a conversation starter or like an icebreaker. Uh, if you had like a Pez dispenser, you could just go up to a, a woman like a Pez. Uh, and it would just be a way to like, I think it could be an icebreaker.
1: Uh, not a great one. Like she might break ice over your head. I don't
0: think, the, well, what kind of sick person is this? That's going to break ice on your head. Uh, if you, <laughs> if you offer them Pez,
1: um, uh, Jason Alexander claims in the inside look that Pez was dead and Seinfeld brought it back. And, you know, people were sending them like, uh, you know, Pez's with their heads on them. By the way, that would be cool. I would, I would use one of those.
0: Yeah. Seinfeld I, Pez. I
1: should have checked on eBay. Maybe they still sell them or something. But I think Pez is dead. I think, I think it, they may have brought it back, but it's no longer, it's no longer in. Okay, it needs to come back.
0: Uh, so they end up with doing uh, George uh, on the crossword puzzle. Uh, he ends up with the last line of asking uh, Jerry, uh, what's a three-letter word for candy? Felt like a uh, last
1: line, uh, a little soft. It was like a little over the top. Yeah. You know, they, they shouldn't be obsessed with tying things together at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, See, because if he says he's hooked on Pez, he's eating them like there's no tomorrow. You can end the episode on that.
0: Yeah. Um, what about what about this? Uh, have, let's close the episode. What if we go back to my polar bear idea? Um, Kramer is then uh, they're asking him where he's going. He's like, oh, I got to go to the funeral. Uh, one of the guys from polar bear uh, club, uh, he got <laughs> pneumonia and he died.
1: Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's simple, but it's a little dark. A, you know, they just went really dark. <laughs> uh, last episode, but I think that works better than this.
0: Okay. All right. Anyway, so let's then, Jerry, stand up. Uh, the closing joke is about jawbreakers that, uh, is this like the candy maker just saying, uh, well, you know, you think kids will eat this? Can we hurt them with this?
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, the first, this, the opening stand-up had nothing to do with the episode, really. Yeah. I mean, I guess no, it was perfume, which I guess was cologne. Yeah, that
0: was about, you know, and this is sort of like about, uh, you know, stupid candy that people eat. That's true. Yeah. Uh have you ever eaten a jawbreaker? Yeah, sure. Yes. Uh I don't think I have.
1: Yeah, I I really like the lemon heads which were similar but I guess they're a little um they're smaller, but I really like the lemon heads when I was a kid. You ever have those like the yellow ones?
0: I um, I probably did, but uh, you know, a lot of the like gross candy like did not really appeal to me. Like I remember
1: these used to be like a candy uh Warheads. Do you ever have those? I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it was maybe like they a, weren't kosher. Uh, uh,
0: they're definitely not kosher <laughs> because they the idea like the warheads was like it like the candy like tastes disgusting. But then once you get through like the disgusting part, like it it tastes good at, on like the, the middle, like no. uh, it tastes like like disgustingly sour. But then like if you get through it, like it's like sweet, like or it tastes like garbage. Uh, But then they've like, heard of it. Yeah, it's like. You know, it's all sorts of stupid stuff. You're, you're just that bored when you're a kid.
1: A lot of your childhood is just procuring different types of candy and trading it and stealing it from other kids or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, is there a certain flavor of Pez that you like, Akiva?
1: I, w- you, I Weren't they just colors? Like, aren't they really all the same? And there's just like a little food coloring that makes them look different? I don't know. Is Pez kosher? Yeah. It is? Yeah, sure. Uh, most, most like common candies are kosher. What's There's nothing in them. Okay. Good, good to know. um all right what, what, good what are you gonna buy someone like a bar Mitzvah present of pez <laughs> yes
0: yes <laughs> okay. uh, what is it I uh, to buy uh 18 th- uh, pez dispensers
1: oh look at this guy grew up on Long Island so <laughs> yeah first of all Rob it's it's in it's things that are you know multiples of 18 you don't give you weren't going to Bar mitzvahs and giving $18, were you? <laughs> I think you give like a denomination of
0: like a in, Yeah, in, that's what I'm yeah. saying. So
1: you give like 180, 720. You don't give $18. Okay.
0: Well, I don't have that much money, Akiva. I'm just I'm just saying like back in the day. Yeah. Um anyway, so uh if this was 2015, how would this episode be different if in any way?
1: Yeah, I mean there's nothing really egregious that's standing out to me. Um you know, they'd probably just be on their phones during the recital and ignoring it.
0: Yeah, it would be a Pez dispenser app.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe they <laughs> would just like be be like, uh, you know, they'd have like, um, you know, there'd be uh, like the whatchamacallits of Pez. Hmm. They, You know, yeah, they would just be. Uh,
0: Akiva, maybe that's how we're going to bring Pez back. Maybe we have like a Pez iPhone case. Uh, and then when you uh, push the button on your phone, then it uh, gives you a piece of Pez.
1: It's not a bad idea. Yes. I mean, is that, that might be like, your, you You think you could make it onto Shark Tank with that, Rob? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I'd like to see Mark Cuban's face on that one. And
0: then I'm going to make a Pez dispenser for each of the sharks. Be like, uh, okay, Mr. Wonderful,
1: here's your Pez dispenser. Uh, Damon. There's a guy named Mr. I've never actually seen Shark Tank. There's a guy named Mr. Wonderful on it. <laughs> Believe so. No. <Nope. laughs> uh- <laughs>
0: so then uh as far as 2015 i think yeah i think this does hold up even uh jerry and larry in uh the commentary you know they didn't say a lot of stuff that was uh too uh compelling or stuff we didn't really know um but they they both said like oh the, you know the comedy really holds up It's it doesn't feel dated like the clothes do but the comedy doesn't feel dated
1: yeah the clothes are, pr- are particularly egregious in this episode but the Yeah, I'm glad that Larry and Jerry liked the show they created and that, you know, bought them all their homes and stuff.
0: Yes, they're still on board with it. Uh, And they're, like, laughing during the episode, so they... uh, Most,
1: when you hear Larry and Jerry commentaries, they're laughing, um, but when you hear the the other other three in the gang who do a bunch together, you know, Julia, uh, Jason, and Michael, they really don't bring anything to the table. They're not laughing? They're, like, kind of just watching the episode. They're laughing, but they don't add any insight sometimes you'll get like a you know a writer who has like a lot of interesting things to say but you know larry and jerry are definitely better than the julia uh Jason, michael ones
0: makes sense makes sense okay uh akiva do you want to uh tell us your rankings for this episode
1: yeah so you really liked this episode i
0: really did i think this might be my new uh favorite what was my previous favorite do we remember
1: um your previous favorite was um i don't know Pro- I-, I bet chester tracks it was it the parking garage uh that might be uh my previous favorite. I know I
0: really like the red dot also.
1: Yeah, you like the red dot. You weren't as high on the library, which was uh which is my current number one.
0: Yeah, uh the subway I wasn't super crazy about, but this one I re-
1: I really loved. All right, so this is your new number one. Um that's interesting.
0: It could be. It could be. I think right. I like this better than the red dot. You know,
1: I haven't really criticized the episode because it's totally fine, but I also don't think there's really any sort of transcendent moments or even like B plus moments in the episode. Yeah, Um, I I do think also that the episode kind of like ties itself together really poorly at the end. Oh, you know, like I I, I, it's just it's like not so cohesive, like he's just telling the story. And we discuss a lot, you know, the difference between, um, you know, when they show that last scene or they don't. And not that there's anything amazing if they'd show him staring at the Pez. Yeah, by the way, it is. um, This isn't really a critique of the episode, but it's a little weird that like the whole thing's based on Richie's intervention. And you see Richie for maybe two seconds the whole episode. I you know?
0: mean, that didn't bother me. I, I mean, no, it th- I don't think the either. intervention just, was no. going to be that funny.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. Um Well, actually, it would have been interesting to see that, you know, they they could have made the intervention funny, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. All but right. There's no real great moments. The girlfriend is like a little annoying. And there are a couple like kind of cartoony things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I give it uh for me do you want to guess or should I just tell you?
0: All right, well let me get my I'm trying to get my scoreboard open to go through uh the most the most recent ranking. So all right, tell me is it better or worse than uh the subway which was number 42? Uh worse. Worse than the subway uh at number 42. All right. Uh so what about Let's go down a little bit. How about let's go back to uh, the nose job, which you had at number 107.
1: Yeah, I have the nose job as being better.
0: Better. All right. What about the phone message at number 119? Yep. Phone message better. Oh, my God. The revenge at number 126? Better. Tape 149? No, it's better than the tape. Better than the tape. All right. What do you have this as?
1: I have this at 134.
0: One thirty-four, Akiva, I think you're being way
1: too hard on the Pez dispenser. I mean, it's a totally fine episode. It's, it's much better than, you know, some of the season one, season two stuff. But I don't know. There's just nothing in it that really, it's a little bit thrown together. And there's really nothing in it that really, you know, sold it for me. Yeah. Put it over the top.
0: I don't know. I think this is definitely better than the phone message. Better, uh, better than uh, the deal. I think it's better than the pen. Uh, I think this is better than the cafe. I think it's better than the pony remark.
1: Wow, that's uh those are str- I mean you said it's your favorite, so I guess naturally it's better than all of those.
0: Yeah. Uh I mean I think that you if you want to talk about the parking garage uh like I think that's a fair conversation, but I think this is uh I think this is a top 100. But again, I haven't ra- I I haven't ranked them all. And I'm very much uh you know, I, I fall I fall in love with these and then I and I quickly forget. I love them and leave it, them. To keep us. That ooh. All right, Akiva, we got so many emails uh, this week. I don't think we're going to be able to uh, get to all of them because we're already, uh, you know, well over an hour. But of course, uh, please keep them coming. Seinfeld at Post Show recaps. I was also very happy. We got a lot of comments uh, this week as well on PostShowRecaps.com.
1: Yeah, let's get some comments uh, and some ratings on the iTunes also.
0: Yeah, all right, goes of, uh That's also at PostShowRecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes if you want to leave us uh, comments and feedback on our iTunes page. But either way, we really do appreciate... Uh, all of the feedback Uh, this journey through all of Seinfeld uh, is fun, but it's even more fun uh, when I feel like uh, there's other people along for the ride. So we always appreciate the support. All right, Johnny DiSilvera, let's start him off. He wants to know, uh, Noel knows it's a woman who laughed during the performance. Is there a distinct difference between a man's laughter and a woman's laughter Akiva?
1: I mean, I guess it depends like in general, I guess, but you know, there are probably women that have manly laughs. I'm surprised that never came up during the series that like someone dropped somebody because, you know, we had the Elmer Fudd trap in the juicer lab.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Um all right, so here's a uh, another email. This one is from uh, Catherine Smith. Wants to say, uh first off just want to say that uh I really enjoy you guys going over 25-year-old episodes uh with a fine-tooth comb. Uh it's very entertaining. Uh and so she actually is organized enough to submit feedback for the pet dispenser. Uh she wants to know, are you keeping a running tally of how many times
1: George is referred to as Biff? Yeah, I forgot to mention this during this episode, but he does throw the Biff out again. Um, it's not something when, you know, the, most of the times I watched the show, I really wasn't familiar with death of the salesman. So it never really caught my ear. Um, so it's not something I track, but I, I don't think it happens much more than, uh, you know, a couple more times at most.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would have to say it, it, one of the things that were really stood out to me in the commentary I watched with Jerry and Larry. So, oh, you see the, the part where, uh, Jerry refers to George as Biff. And Larry David is like Biff. Why do you call him Biff? Uh, and Jerry's like, oh, it's like the death of a salesman. Uh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> like, like Larry David didn't even know.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Um, the I mean, normally you'd say like, okay, it's because like Peter Melman or or you know Larry Charles wrote the episode, but Larry David wrote this himself. <laughs> but if that does you know that doesn't mean that someone from the writers' room didn't throw in a joke. And also you know th- remember they filmed these many years after they wrote the episodes because DVDs didn't exist, you know, when they would have come out normally like a year after the season. Yeah. It, so it it might, it's easy to forget a lot of things.
0: It might also be a thing where Jerry is like really love the reference. And it was, it wasn't something that Larry ever uh, resonated with him. And uh, like it was in there because Jerry, Jerry, yeah, that's it.
1: true. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was pounded a bunch of times in the previous episode, but yeah, that's fair.
0: Catherine also says uh, that's the best list George could have come up with reversing and the social uh, preference of uh, some random drink. Uh, If she wasn't going to break up with him before the phone call, she should have started considering it afterwards.
1: That's a good point, Catherine. Like his his small talk is pretty terrible. If you need a list um, to, you know, to go over a phone call beforehand, like, first of all, you know, you shouldn't need the list. But if you do, you know, you should, you should probably bring better stuff than that.
0: Yeah, whatever happened to eating an apple on the call to make it sound more natural?
1: Yeah, it's true. He, you know, see, they're forgetting things already. <laughs> he should be eating an apple, so it doesn't sound like he cares too much. That really gives you hand.
0: All right, Travis uh, he is not as high as I am on this episode. He says, uh, this is a really uneven episode. Jerry's hosting an intervention? Come on. And we're supposed to believe that if he owns a Pez dispenser, it's Tweety and not Superman? Well, he got it from Kramer.
1: Yeah, he wasn't gonna. He wouldn't buy a Tweety Pez, but he, you know, he was not gonna not accept it because it's not Superman.
0: Yeah. Um. But he says, uh, but all the Costanza stuff is classic: elated George, Panic George, insecure George, smug George, stymie George. Jason Alexander is on fire in this episode, and this makes it a top tier episode for me. Uh, a few months ago, I had to teach a class on negotiating, and I used clips from this episode to illustrate leverage. Now, people throughout my company that formerly had no hand are using. Pre- preemptive breakups, uh, that get so much hand. They're coming out of their gloves. You know, I've seen a lot of this, uh, recently where people are like teaching like economics with Seinfeld. Have you seen any of this Akiva?
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I see it with a lot of shows, but I have, I have, uh, had people mention it to me and I've seen it on the internet that people, uh, you know, bring up, you know, they'll show an episode of a television show and it's nice. Uh, I would like to be in those classes. You know, I feel like there was, you know, I, was, I always wanted to watch television when I was in class all right, and Akiva. nobody ever. Nope. If, but if someone had showed me Seinfeld, I would have been delighted.
0: All right, Akiva, uh, that'll be um, our my next audiobook project is you and I are going to come up with the uh, 49 laws of Seinfeld uh, and we'll go we'll <laughs> go through uh, all the 49 laws of power and come up with the Seinfeld illustrations of this.
1: Um. Yeah, it's a great idea, I think, but getting more hand is, is one of the key laws. Yes, you always want to... That was the main law. I, I've never read the 49 laws of... Um, power. What, a power. Or so Survivor. Right, so what's the... um? What's Is number one the best or is number 49 the best?
0: There, There's no ranking of them. It's just here, the 48 laws. Uh, it's a book by Robert Green who sort of like went through... It's sort of like art of war strategies and stuff like that, so... Um, you know, uh, I think the number one, for instance, is, uh, never outshine the master. Uh, and you, know, we'd have to come up with a Seinfeld example of something where it's like, you know, George works for George Steinbrenner, but he never wants to, if he ever comes off as smarter than George Steinbrenner, then George Steinbrenner would surely fire him. So he ne- has to make sure to never outshine the master as we see here in this episode where George has to do like, uh, whatever, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, do they have uh, the best defense as a good offense? <laughs> no, that is not one of the rules. Oh, because that's like a Sun Tzu thing also, I think.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, also, uh, Larry David as a offensive coordinator thing.
1: Um, what, Well, how would that tie into the... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Larry, really, he's doing the same the shtick same on all these shows.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, Chelsea1905 says, uh, don't you guys think that George should have asked for something better than simply thinking about him all the time? Uh, what would you have asked for? Yeah, okay. That's a, we, we touched on this. Akiva would get breakfast in bed.
1: All three meals in bed.
0: Yes, and, and I would get something different. Uh, Ian Rice wants to know, what do you think is the over-under on how many times in the series Jerry says he isn't going to do something to only eventually cave in it seems that every time someone asks him to do something it always ends with oh all right uh in this episode it was about participating in the intervention my guess is 200 he's quite a pushover that jerry
1: yeah that's a good point ian i mean we said these people they have no they have no principles they just you know you know they're just self-serving and, and you know anything just to get him to stop bothering take people to stop bothering him he'll go along with it
0: Alright, and let's get to Chester. Uh he wants to know why was Kramer on the comedy softball team anyway?
1: Uh yeah, that's a good question, but I, I feel like all these softball teams have ringers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not you're not gonna have like you're not gonna have uh you know, like nine guys from the company. You're gonna get eight guys from the company and a guy who used to like play, you know, in double A for the Mets and let him be the ringer.
0: A ringer. Okay. Uh, that's not going to be what, uh, a Kevin Hart is the ringer.
1: Uh, I'm not familiar. Okay. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I mean, I've, no, I've heard of Kevin Hart. What about the Bette Midler softball team? Uh, there's ringers there for sure.
0: Yeah, sure. And they eat uh pineapple Italian ice. That's right. All right. So anyway, uh, who's the guy who hates warm Pepsi?
1: Yeah. He, he doesn't have much of a backstory.
0: Yeah. But he just, he hates it so much. And then he doesn't want to talk on the, uh, intervention. Uh,
1: Chester says, who doesn't want to talk? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of going to the intervention is not to, you know, not to listen. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I feel like this guy tells, you know, tells people all the time that he was on Seinfeld.
0: Yeah, I probably uh, Does Chester
1: tell people all the time also that he that he's on the Seinfeld podcast. Yes. I'm not sure. Probably.
0: Uh, And then finally, he wants to know, hey, Kiva, who's the polar bear who sounds like a Borscht Belt comedian? Is it Alan Bloomfield? Where is he now? He's he's great. Do you have any uh, research on
1: any of the polar bears from this episode? Yeah, so Alan Bloomfield, um, you know, none of the guest actors have any, you know, I I love to look at the the IMDb's of the guest actors. None of them have anything, you know, especially interesting. But uh, no, as far as I can tell, all, all these guys just did like a stint here. You know, on a, none of them, like most of these guys didn't even do more than one episode in any show, okay. but they did like 40 different episodes. I was, how do these guys pay their bills? I always wonder.
0: I don't know. They probably had another I guess they're job. Probably
1: like waiting also, right? They're like waiters or they're acting coaches.
0: Yeah. Something like that. Valet parking, something. Is that another gig? That's
1: a big actor job in LA, valet parker. I think so. I think so. Um, all right. Akiva, what is coming up next week? All right. So next week we say hello to Newman. Hello, Newman. We have the suicide.
0: The suicide coming up. Uh, all right. So that is going to be next week on uh, the Seinfeld post-show recap. Akiva, uh, do you have your top 10 movies yet?
1: Uh, oh, man. I need one more week. I'm so close.
0: One more week. All right. Fair enough. All right. So uh, next week, maybe the Jets will have a new coach. We're going to have maybe Akiva is going to have a top 10 movie list. And, we're and def- I'll probably
1: have a lot less money. There's, you know, there's some people who've told me that they're <laughs> rewatching reviews. So. I think next week's the cutoff. If you haven't finished by then, I'm not giving you any money.
0: Yeah. A lot of people have been trying to guess. Uh, when you killed the snake a couple of weeks ago,
1: did anyone get it right? Cause I don't <laughs> remember when that was.
0: Yeah. I have, I know when it was, but I think I have to, I don't remember where the time code is uh, in the episode. So we have to still uh, look that up and we got to find out if anybody
1: uh, made it through the whole podcast. that didn't laugh. Despite <laughs> us. We, how much money are they getting? I think a penny. One cent? Can you PayPal one cent to somebody? I'm not sure. I think uh, we'll find out.
0: I think PayPal takes five cents.
1: They t- no, you know they don't. I don't. They don't. If you say you're like you're paying to a friend, yeah, then they don't. Um, then they don't. Uh, What's your call? Okay. You know they don't charge you. Fair. I enough. know that you know from like all these pools and stuff. Right. <laughs> I have one question for you, Rob. Yes. If you if they were doing an intervention for you, what would it be?
0: Podcasting.
1: It would be too much podcasting. Yeah. But that's your job. Like, they wouldn't go to a lawyer and like, hey, Akiva, Justin, you're doing, you're doing me, too I've, much lawyering.
0: I've had this conversation with, uh, with many people in my house and in my family uh, that, you know, here's the thing. Uh, here's a life lesson for for people. Um, don't, don't get a job that you like because if you have a job that you hate, then everybody will admire you like, Oh, what a hardworking guy. He does blah, blah, blah. But if you have a job that you like, then anytime you have to work, people will get mad at you uh, and say like, Oh, you always want to work. You always have to work. Um, You want to like find something that you hate just so the people uh, don't get on your case when you have to work a lot.
1: Listen, I've been there. I've, I've come home from like 13 hour days of, of, you know, the football show or the Olympics and, you know, it's like, all right, you know, go do the dishes. And, and it's like, uh, you know, I just worked 13 hours. Like, uh, no, you were watching football and, you know, like, you know, talking about football for 13 hours. Like, no, it was 13 hours of work. And sorry, it doesn't doesn't count if you're watching football.
0: Right. If you ever get paid to do something you like, then your loved ones uh, will have uh, <laughs> will like uh, consider it like you were doing something uh, fun, not that you were at work.
1: But maybe the key for you is to not work from home and then just say you were like digging ditches all day.
0: That's another one. That's another one of don't work from home and don't get a job that
1: you like. All <laughs> right. this is valuable, Like, this is all going to go into our relationship podcast. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. Yes. But do we have, a, you know, <laughs> a, a bunch of people told us also we forgot a hashtag last.
0: week. Oh, OK. Oh, we almost forgot one this week. All right. What's the What's the hashtag this week?
1: I think is it post them post them P.O.S.T.E.M.?
0: post-em, uh, P-O-S-T-E-M.
1: Yeah, I think that's how it's spelled.
0: All right, there you go. Uh, post them. Um, uh, post them. Um, uh, your your hashtags on Twitter.
1: Ooh. Okay.
0: <laughs> all right, Akiva. And, uh, thanks to everybody who uh, made it all the way through the podcast. Uh, love hearing from you guys uh, during the week and let us know what you thought about the episode. We'll be back next time to talk about Newman and suicide on our next uh, post show recaps of Seinfeld. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.